Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Friday, November 18th, and that means we've made it to the end of the week. We have a great, I mean, actually, you know what? I'll call it a mixed bag here of a week 11 slate here to preview all those games with me. Two absolute studs, two titans of the fantasy football industry. Yahoo Fantasy Zone, Scott Pianowski and Dalton Del Don. Dalton, you know, another two-time week here with me. I appreciate you coming back, even though I know you're still a little under the weather, bro. Yeah, happy to be here fighting through it. What's up, guys? Pumped to talk some football with you. Yeah, I'm not sure. Scott, I'm not sure we've had the combination with you and Dalton before. So a right. um, lot, of, lot of brain power going to be in this episode. And I will also be here as well. Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> impressed that Dalton's going to play injured. And um, yeah, I like you called us Titans because I would run through a wall for Mike Vrabel. Also, if Dalton and I were on the Titans, I think we'd probably both be starting wide receivers. No offense to to Westbrook Akine, who just had a monster game. But uh, and as you're listening, for, for all I know, maybe the Titans just put up 40 points against the Packers last night. We don't know what's happened in that game, but um, happy to be a Titan for for fantasy intelligence. Let's give people some winners. Give them what they want. Let's get right into it. We've got uh, four teams on by and a lot of like great wide receivers on by. So we'll have to bring it uh, with the sleeper picks at that position. We've got the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Bucks, the Jaguars. Oh, yeah, that is a lot of good wide receivers there off the board. So let's get it started with a wide receiver packed game here. The Lions at the Giants. Uh, Dalton, you said in your point here and again for the new folks, we always go. One guy, one guy, point there, point there. Uh, it's the two things you need to know going into this game, and we eventually just end up talking about the whole damn game anyways because who really likes structure? So, Dalton, the structure of this game, though, pretty strong DFS type of matchup uh, with two interesting offenses and one defense for sure who hasn't stopped a lot of people through the air all year. Yeah, I love it. Uh, obviously, Saquon Barkley, probably your number one fantasy back this week. Uh, Daniel Jones, I have as a top 10 fantasy QB. The Lions are allowing a ton of rushing attempts and rushing yards to opposing quarterbacks. Um, Wandell Robinson may miss this game, so I, I'll let you talk more about Darius Slayton uh, Harmon, but he's a sneaky top 25 fantasy wideout with a $14 salary in our DFS game. And then conversely, 
Amon Ross St. Brown, I was worried that he re, uh, he aggravated that ankle injury at the end of uh, last week, but he didn't even appear on the on the injury report. Uh, you look, Goff is not ideal outdoors, but he's really good against the blitz. The Giants blitz a lot. So I love Sun God again in this matchup without Hawkinson. So a lot of fantasy goodness, although uh, the Detroit running back situation could certainly be better. Yeah, Scott, the Detroit running back situation certainly could be better. I mean, at this point, Dalton and I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think DeAndre Swift has recorded more than ten touches in any game since Week One. Uh, not ideal. Twelve touches in two weeks. Uh, you know, thirty-one percent snap share last week, sixteen percent snap share the previous week. I, I don't think. I think. Look, running back is a gross fantasy position. I, I maybe they're all gross this year. We can't even trust quarterbacks anymore. Tight ends always gross. You'd mentioned what a lousy wide receiver week it is. Uh, Darius Slayton's in your lineup, by the way. I don't want any start sick questions on him. I am a believer in Darius Slayton, and I'll die on that hill. But DeAndre Swift, until we get a show me game, a game where he has double digit touches. I mean, I know he bailed out last week with touchdown deodorant, but we know when they get in close, they love to give the ball to Jamal Williams, the spirit animal of the Lions. Uh, unless you're backed in the corner, man, you can't play DeAndre Swift. I, I just don't trust him because I, I don't think the Lions trust him. And, and, you know, pick a lane, Lions. If he's not healthy, don't play him. If he's healthy, give him what DeAndre Swift should get, which is 12 to 15 touches any week and maybe 20 in, in the right matchups. And th- they're reluctant to do that. I don't know why, but we have to go by not what te- teams say, but what they do, what they show us on Sunday. And right now they're showing you a lack of trust or, or maybe they're just being overly cautious with Swift. But if you're that worried about where he is physically, don't even suit him up. You know, you type in DeAndre Swift in the old Google machine. The first two news items you get here is one from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, Lions DeAndre Swift says, playing hurt better than being on the sideline. The second one is DeAndre Swift saying, I'm not injury prone via Sports Illustrated. Not really what you want to see. I honestly think at some point or at the point we're at right now, like I think this coaching staff just trusts and likes and values what um, Jamal Williams brings to the table and they view Swift as a guy they can just kind of sprinkle through. So yeah, for fantasy managers, like I think that I think that Jamal Williams just makes like a really decent high end RB three, low end RB two start every single week. And Swift is a guy that I, I agree with you, Scott, like un- unless you're kind of backed into that corner, how do you really feel super confident about playing him? Um, Darius Slayton was my bold prediction this week in our group piece as a guy that I think is like a top 20 receiver. Um, Scott, I know he's your favorite player in the NFL. Um, so I, I, I just think we're at a point now where the Kenny Galladay return was predictably pretty you know, nothing. It was big nothing burger there. And Wondell Robinson, not only did, as Dalton mentioned, he's hurt, he's also just not going to get the targets that lend themselves to a ton of fantasy uh, value because of just the volume of this passing offense. So be, to me, Scott, I think like Darius Slayton, I'm I'm with you, man. Like he, he's kind of a must start at this point in this game. Yeah, I, you know, our, our bosses have told me that I'm going to get a 10% pay cut every time I rant about the 2019 receiver draft. So I'm not going to go down that route. I just you're about to, you're about to be demoted I, to intern status then in that case. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be demoted to playing for the Los Angeles Rams. But I, I just Darius Slayton's a good player, man. I don't know how he went in the sixth round. I realized they didn't have good quarterback play when he was at Auburn, so it, it kind of shielded him. And that was really a theme of that draft: is that a lot of the stud receivers that came out. But Slayton's not a stud, but he's a good player. But some of the studs who came out were held back by their quarterback play. Ole Miss comes to mind, but. And Daniel Jones, you know, I think they've done a great job with Daniel Jones. I, We know the Giants, their record doesn't pass the metric sniff test and all that, but I think Daniel Jones is, is going to stick around. I know they didn't sign him to the extension, but I, I think they almost have to franchise him now. And 
the Giants are going to be a playoff team. They're all, you could do a lot worse in the NFL right now than have Daniel Jones at the head of your quarterback room. Slayton, number 11 in fantasy points per target. And I'd like to just push back a little on Jamal Williams' situation. He's ranked as a top 20 fantasy back in ECR, fantasy pros. And he's just really touchdown dependent. That's not necessarily a pejorative, but just realize that he has zero targets the last two weeks. Justin Jackson's involved. Maybe DeAndre Swift does get his wheel greased a little more after complaining this week. So I don't love Jamal Williams this, this week either. He really is reliant on getting those goal line scores. Yeah, like I said, low. I feel like low end RB two. You know, you, it, with all those guys are touchdown or bust, right? At that point, but you know, just before we move off this game, I, I am really interested to see like what because Scott, you brought up with Daniel Jones, like franchise tag him. Maybe I don't know. That's a bit. That is a big commitment for Daniel Jones, and I'm not a hundred percent sure he's owned that. And they also have like the question about Saquon Barkley, right? Like they apparently were in negotiate, like talking about you know potential contract extension for him, and like. We all always know that the running back stuff is is tough from a contract standpoint. Like, do you want to be of the team that pays out top dollar for Saquon Barkley, given how some of those other contracts have aged? I, I don't know. Maybe not, especially with this was such a frugal, um, you know, front office group overall this year. They had to remake that entire entire salary cap situation. You know, right now, I think they have uh, just under 60 million dollars in cap space, so they can certainly make it work. But. I mean, Barkley and Jones, especially Barkley, like, you know, he's the he had been the identity of the offense this year. Like, how do you make that situation work? I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating stories in the uh, in the offseason this year because this Giants team has been so good record wise. And you talk about Barkley. I realize it's not apples to apples because there's nobody behind Barkley. But will they learn a lesson from a team in their division who may be over invested in a running back teasing the next game? Yes, indeed. All right, so let's move on to it. Cowboys are one-and-a-half-point favorites in Minnesota. Um, Dalton, we talked about this yesterday, how funny that is that the Vikings record is so good, yet they are uh, home dogs. But, Scott, talk to me about Dalton Schultz, who you say is back in the circle of trust. I I think I'm pretty close to agreeing with you here, given the way Dallas's passing tree is set up right now. Yeah, finally gets in the end zone last week. He's got 17 catches uh, the last three weeks. His target targets have gone up three straight games. Just finally healthy. And this is somebody who I thought was, I, I know a lot of people will say, okay, the middle of the top 10 at tight end is the dead zone. Either go get Kelsey or Andrews or just you know play the flea market. I, I actually thought Schultz was a destination pick before the season, and it looked really wrong for about six weeks. But I'm feeling pretty good now. Dak's back. Schultz is healthy. He can play. I mean, he played 76%, 71% of the snaps the last two weeks. So I think the, the reins are off him. I think that snap share is only going to go up. And look at this passing game. C.B. Lamb's terrific. Gallup's more of a specialty player. And, you know, they have like Noah Brown types and stuff like that. I, I think easily with, with the injuries we just saw, right, people just lost Zach Ertz and people just lost Dallas Goddard. I, I think I'm going to have Schultz in my top five the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that, Dalton. We talked about this yesterday. Um, what do you got on the Minnesota side, man? Minnesota, well, Kirk Cousins has dramatic splits when pressured throughout his career, and the Cowboys are among the league leaders in pressure rate. But this game, I know we're starting with games that should be the higher scoring ones. So indoors, it should be another fun DFS matchup. Um, key, it will, is... Ezekiel Elliott healthy. It sounds like he is, according to practice reports. So it's obviously big news for for Tony Pollard. And um, yeah, this uh, this should be um, should be a good game back and forth. The, the Vikings, I believe, have the best record with a negative DVOA ever for what it's worth. But they keep just getting it done. So uh, this should be a fun one. Yeah. And 
this Cowboys defense, what we saw from it last week against uh, the Green Bay Packers, man, you know, going back and watching Christian Watson, obviously it's like, I think this, the second cornerback position and, you know, Trayvon Diggs is a guy who's a ball hawk. He's not necessarily like a shutdown corner, although I think he's been better this year than last year. That could really be a spot where uh, opponents continue to feast. And this defense is, is tough right now because, you know, Michael Parsons, they're kind of because of injuries back there, like Anthony Barr is a guy they signed off the street late in the process, but he actually has ended up emerging as a key player. But when he's been injured, they have to put Michael Parsons off the ball a little bit more, which kind of takes him away from the thing that he does best, which is, you know, getting after the passer. And if the passer is going to be a little weaker and that second cornerback spot, I think is probably a pretty big, a pretty big question mark for the team in general. We could start to see more receivers go off, not maybe necessarily in the same way that Christian Watson did against this Cowboys defense. But certainly if I'm saying like, oh man, it might be a tough spot for, you know, covering wide receivers. And then like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and Justin Jefferson um, comes into this spot. Guys, we, I don't think we see very often as much as I love wide receivers. I don't necessarily know that we see like wide receivers absolutely control a game like we saw with Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs in that matchup last week. Jefferson could do it again here against this Cowboys defense. Yeah, Cousins struggled last week against pressure against Buffalo, but that did not prevent Jefferson from going absolutely ballistic. So, yeah, I mean, that was a catch of the year, catch of the century. I mean, given the, the you know, the game, it, it, it was the game winner as well. So, I mean, that, yeah, Jefferson is just amazing. I mean, is he, is he the, the best receiver in football right now? I think he's up. Think it's so. really hard. It's really hard, right? Anytime you're ranking wide receivers, Scott, I say this all the time. If you're going to, if you make a top five list, and you go like you know Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, and then you get to that fifth spot like Tyreek Hill, right? Did I say Tyreek Hill? Whatever. Anyways, like you know you get yeah. Devonte Adams, uh, you, you got Jamar Chase. Like you're going to leave those guys off your top five list? It's really difficult. But I do think Justin Jefferson has a case to be right up there with I think. Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs right now for the best receiver in football. Oh, by the way, I didn't say Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's a guy. I, he's hurt, but like he's in the mix as well. Yeah, it's just a fun list to have. You know, it's like being ranked number one in the AP basketball poll right now doesn't mean much. You know, they're four or five months away from the games that matter. You know, the idea in college football is just to make the playoff. It doesn't really matter if you're one, two, three, or four right now, just as long as you're inclusive there. I want to mention one other thing. Dalton and I both contribute to the Rotowire staff picks, and we both pick the Cowboys in this game. And I just want to give one reason why. Minnesota, the big, emotional, crazy win at Buffalo. Dallas loses at Green Bay, a game they were favored to win. Packers had lost five straight games before that. I'm just so much of what I do with handicapping is emotional handicapping. Minnesota off a high win, Dallas off a emotional gut punch overtime loss. I, I just the case of I think your body and great Dallas is favored on, on the road, so it's not like you're getting a great price on Dallas. But the emotional side of my handicapping is always going to lean towards the Cowboys in a spot like this where they're coming off a low, Minnesota's coming off a high, and, and also I don't think anybody the metrics certainly you know Dalton mentioned the DVOA historically, the Vikings are just one of those teams that you, you look under the hood they don't match their one loss record. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I, I like that a lot. I think that this is could be a good little bounce back game for the Dallas Cowboys. Look, we talked about all these top five receivers. None of them are playing in this game here upcoming, but Bears at Falcons does have some potential uh, fantasy juice, Scott, because we've gotten like the carnival has moved from the, from your neighborhood there in Detroit squarely into another area there in the Midwest with the Chicago Bears. They're 32nd in EPA per play allowed on defense since week seven. 
I, I can't wait to see what the Justin Fields rushing prop will be. It's just been free money for so many weeks, it feels like. But they're going to start putting that number into an area where it's probably unbettable. You know, people like to bet overs anyway. And, and by the way, whenever you're betting props, if you want to bet over, bet early. If you want to bet under, wait, 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 and wait, and wait some more. And then right before kickoff, get your under bet in. Cole Kabet's the guy I want to talk about. He's got five touchdowns the last three games on 11 catches. So, you know, a ridiculous touchdown rate, unsustainable regression, all that stuff. But if you watch the, the genesis of those plays, defenses are so petrified of fields beating them. And he's such a distraction that they're going to have, they're going to be able to scheme easy touchdowns for Komet. It, it, it's basically, it's, it's just a gift. It's pitch and catch. He, he scored short touchdowns that way. He scored a long touchdown last week that way. Last year, he was their better tight end, but in, around the goal line, Jimmy Graham would vulture him. He wouldn't, you know, Cole Komet's again, it's the guy where a lot of people liked him before the season. You had to wait for it. We know how the Bears were playing early in the year. They were hiding fields. They didn't really have a lot of fits. I thought getting Claypool was a really nice add, even if that doesn't develop until next Next year, you, you probably don't need help with Cole Komet. If you have Cole Komet, you, you're, you're probably maybe you picked him up after somebody else dropped him. He's probably safely probably. in your circle of trust. But I, I just want you to say a lot of people are going to say, "Well, the touchdown rate is unsustainable." That's that's fine. I still think Cole Komet has like a forty percent chance to score a touchdown in like any game the rest of the season. So will will it come back to earth? Sure. Is he still the most likely guy to catch a touchdown pass on this team? That's also true. Uh, it's just hilarious. We talk about this all the time, how you can be right and wrong about something in the course of the same season. And everybody who hyped up Cole Komet looked like, you know, a fool early in the season. But then we get this change from the offense in Chicago, which, you know, we can never forecast like when a team is going to have that sort of awakening. The Bears have certainly had that awakening. Cole Komet is tight end seven right now on, on the year. So it's like, just look at the results. All you got to do is just look at the results right now, and it looks great uh, if you hyped up Cole Komet. But, I mean, regardless, I'm not, I'm not here to be the, like, take police or anything like that because who really cares? The reality is right now, this is a guy that I agree with you, Scott, firmly in the circle of trust. Dalton, there is another member of the Chicago Bears, probably, I would say probably their most boring offensive player, but he's in a great spot here with his his backfield mate going on IR. Yeah, before we get to Dave Montgomery, I, I just want to emphasize, I agree with Komet. It's three straight games with a target inside the 10, but maybe even more impressively was the 50-yard touchdown catch last week where 99% of the tight ends fall down after they catch a ball thrown that far downfield. He he stayed up and he, he scored from 50-plus out. Like, it was really impressive, and he had another 30-yarder that that I believe it was a P.I. he drew late, late too. So I, I'm all in on Komet, but one people need to be, know that he's missed practice with a thigh injury, so hopefully he's healthy here and if not even more work for my guy Montgomery um who I I believe me I'm aware that Khalil Herbert's the better running back uh, at least for uh for when the ball's in his hands but they always like Montgomery on the field for his pass protection and now Herbert's on IR uh remember when Montgomery went crazy down the stretch uh, when was that a two years ago um like it wasn't that. last year was 2019 no, years ago yeah like yeah and um and uh, Atlanta is 30th in, in, in rush defense DVOA. This game actually has the highest total of the DFS slate. Only the Chiefs Chargers Sunday night game is a higher over under, um, which is crazy. Since so both these teams like to run the ball so much. But yeah, Montgomery is a, a real sneaky bet to maybe finish as like a top 10, top five fantasy back this week. Uh, they don't throw the ball at all. Atlanta doesn't draw targets and, and Fields never throws it to, you know, targets them at all. That is something that's not great. But man, don't you feel like these, these opponents are going to start emphasizing stopping Justin Fields? And I feel like that's going to really benefit uh, possibly Montgomery. 
Yeah, I feel like Montgomery will be like a top 20 guy for as long. I mean, at least for as long as uh, Justin Fields remains running like this, they clear her or clear Herbert on IR as well. Just a great setup for him. So neither. No, so neither one of you guys is going to be brave enough to talk about the Falcons offense. Neither one of you guys is going to be brave enough to do Patterson's it. in a great smash spot <laughs> setup. But can you project more than 12 carries? I mean, maybe a couple of them will be know. at the goal line. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm debate Patterson. I could see winning someone some money in DFS, but also just getting 10 touches you know yeah, why they have four people there. who carry the ball in Atlanta including Mariota last week I did a conviction pick on on Patterson not only was it wrong but then you know the trolls of Twitter had to tell me after the game I, I don't mind you telling me before the game you hate my call but it's, it's just so mm-hmm. funny how people are incredibly accurate when they wait for a game to be played and then they comment on it but I get it it's this four people touching the ball and Arthur Smith just feels I, I think Arthur Smith has a little bit of that like kind of Shanahan Shanahan um hubris where it's like okay whoever I whoever I give the ball to is the star I can I can take the uh, the checkout person at Trader Joe's and, and I can get them to run for 75 yards and a touchdown and the funny thing is they don't even throw the ball to Patterson anymore I mean this guy no. was a hybrid player he was a receiver I think they're missing out on some of that I would get the guy the ball in space but who am, I to, who am I to question Arthur Smith? I mean, look at the heights that he's getting from Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And he's got Marcus Mariota in the MVP conversation. So I, I'm not here to bash Arthur Smith. It is still funny to me. I think I've made this point on the podcast recently that like Arthur Smith is so not even willing to entertain that Desmond Ritter is a real person on his team. Like, I, which given the way Mariota's played lately is a little interesting that like their third round rookie, they're not even again, remotely interested in entertaining the idea of him playing. But I think this is a decent spot for Drake London, who like in a, in a vacuum, I prefer as a player prefer the usage than what he like, than what we're getting out of Kyle Pitts. Cause Pitts is just, he's their vertical guy, you know, and, and Mario did when he takes vertical shots, like we talked about yesterday, Dalton, it's not there. So I think that uh, Drake London, if you're picking between the two is like the guy who could take advantage of a defense that's been filleted lately, I think you'd prefer Drake London over Kyle Pitts. And I mean, I think folks that have Kyle Pitts on their fantasy team, if they're still dealing with that, they, they don't need us to tell them that. Let me say one more thing about the NFC South. Uh, the Buccaneers don't play this week, so we're not going to talk about them. But they are the overwhelming favorite to win the division. Is anybody interested in putting a token on the Falcons, on the Saints, or on the Panthers? No. I have a 40 to one ticket before the season on the Falcons that I was very excited about until last week when, you know, losing to the Panthers and the Bucks looked far better. The Bucks with Hicks back on defense, they look legit no matter how washed Brady is. So I like it less than I did a week ago, but I'm rooting for the Falcons if it means anything. I'll, I'll say this. I could never bet Tampa Bay as a heavy favorite to win this division. I don't trust that team as far as I can throw them. Mm. I feel like I trust them a little bit more after last week's game than I did going into it, but it's just one game and there's still a lot of questions there. Um, I de- they need to play what. more in Germany. They're obviously a team built for you know the German style of football. Built for that, so built if, for that Garbo field. It's like, oh, the the messier the field, the better. Uh, Tom Brady and the boys will play. <laughs> did Brady meet a, a German supermodel or something? Has he has he taken up with a with a new uh, a new girlfriend? Go wait till he's after two, the season. He's two and zero oh now that the divorce has been finalized. Scott, so. There you go. Now the maybe Dalton, maybe the curse has passed. Now that the divorce is officially uh, in the books, all the curse has passed. So we yeah. shall see. Well, he was just named in a big class action lawsuit, so I don't think that. Never mind. Yeah, the curse has moved to a different area. Yeah, it's yeah, moved from his yeah, football, yes, yes, from his football situation yes. to his financial situation. Yeah, Although exactly, I'm pretty sure Giselle exactly. is involved in that as well. So, um, right. you know, that's we'll, true. We'll, we'll we'll reconvene on this whole thing, Dalton, and we'll uh, I'll uh, I'll consult Bree and we'll we'll figure out uh, okay. where the curse is at for next week with the financial Perfect. stuff. All right, next game up here, 
Eagles at Colts. A couple of breaking news items this morning. Uh, the Eagles have signed Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. That's when you know you're fully in mercenary phase is when you're in signing Indomitian Sue. Um, but hey, look, Dalton, they do need it. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Um, the arrow is pointing up. The Eagles have been a team that you can really run on ever since Jordan Davis, their first round pick got hurt and really kind of all year, they've been more of a pass funnel defense anyways, but, um, and Dominican Sue, Linval Joseph, these guys are older, they're veterans, um, but they could potentially help solve this problem. And also it's seen like, it seems like they could play right away. Yeah. The Eagles have allowed 130 plus rushing yards in all three games since Davis went down. Uh, it actually, some argue that it's helped their pass D, but we're talking fantasy terms here and it's good news for Jonathan Taylor. Eagles rank first against the pass in DVOA, 28th against the run. That is a run funnel defense. Jonathan Taylor saw the second highest snap rate of his career last week when Naheem Hines was gone. Jeff Saturday has the offensive line playing better. So yeah, I mean, some more targets would be nice, but Ryan has shown the propensity to target Taylor and it's no longer Ellinger. So yeah, I rank Taylor as a top three back again, even against, you know, a tough Eagles team that may seem bad on, on paper. Really, they're vulnerable against the run. Obviously, game script needs to, to work for us here too, though. Yeah, uh, that would be great. The, the game script part of it, Scott, you know, we're talking about all these wide receivers off this week. It would be great if we could go back to some of those, um, like low, obviously Michael Pittman is a guy that he's going to get volume every week, but Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, are those guys, and maybe, maybe more one than the other. Uh, are they back in our lives here with Matt Ryan, uh, taking over this offense? Yeah, that was a big takeaway for me in week 10 is offenses like the Packers, offenses like the Colts, especially their passing games, because you were going to play Taylor or Aaron Jones anyway. But I was really reluctant to trust these passing games. And look, Matt Ryan is no savior, but he's obviously the best quarterback in Indianapolis. And look at what Paris Campbell has done his last three games with Ryan. He scored touchdowns in all three of them, and he's been targeted 11, 12, and nine times. I'm going to have Campbell, and, and I'm a huge Michael Pittman guy. You guys, I think we all are, but I'm going to have him ranked pretty close together, the two guys. And you know, Dalton makes a good point, the funnel defense. You would think the first order of attack for the Colts would be get Jonathan Taylor going. So maybe this isn't a game where the, the Colts throw for maybe more than 220 yards or something like that, but that's okay. I'll take it. This offense was dead. This passing game was dead. This was like, don't ask me any Colts questions. I'm not here to answer them dead two or three weeks ago. And now there's hope. And in a fantasy season where there's been so much spotty quarterback play and there's been so many re receivers run off the road by their quarterbacks, looking at you, DJ Moore, I'll never blame you. I'll always blame everything around you. I'm just happy I can play Campbell and Pittman again because I can because Matt Ryan is some semblance of competent. And Ellinger is, you know, just a guy who uh, he looks like the sixth round pick that he is. He'll be a career backup. He shouldn't be a starter. Jim Ursay on tilt, as Evan Silva would say. I'm just glad. <laughs> And this, especially week 11, right, with all you know, all these great receivers not playing, we just lost Cooper Cup. I need Pittman. I need Campbell. I don't care that Washington's pass defense is good. I have to play these guys on some teams, and I'm glad that Matt Ryan being back in the saddle makes this a reasonable choice for me to make. Yeah, no tight end has emerged for the Colts, and Alec Pierce maybe hit a rookie wall. He's only two targets in back-to-back -back games. So, yeah, despite me saying the Eagles are vulnerable against the run, I'm with you on Pittman, and and, and especially Campbell, uh, much to, to Harmon's chagrin, Campbell remains a thing. Well, we'll see. The Eagles probably know how to tackle a little bit more than the Raiders do. But um, <laughs> nevertheless, yeah, I mean, that those like little pop gun targets are going to go to Paris Campbell. It's about all he can do. If but, Munich yeah. could save the Buccaneers, maybe Paris can save the Colts. Hey, maybe. Uh, and seriously, though, the fact that Matt Ryan is back in there just makes this offense like not a joke uh, because it was a joke with Sam Ellinger. And, you know, look, I, I'm not 
Jim Irsay, he was on tilt before. Now he's fully victory lapping the Jeff Saturday thing on Twitter after one week. Welcome, like, welcome to the fantasy community, Jim. You did it. You you victory lapped after one week. That's awesome. Um, but it, look, well, the- I also want to call myself out that I'm I'm saying Matt Ryan. Thank thank God we have Matt Ryan back. Two or three weeks ago, I was like, oh, thank God Heineke's playing, and thank God Andy Dalton's playing, and thank God PJ Walker is you know got DJ Moore going again. So this this stuff is fluid. Right. I mean, you look, if you go back, I don't know why anybody would do this, but go back to any of our shows two or three weeks ago and you'll hear something that sounds ridiculously dated. Like we said it three years ago. It's just the NFL. It's a snow globe. You shake it. and, And a lot of things are different in a week or two. Also, Scott, and I'm I know this probably more than anyone when it comes to like getting excited about wide receivers who are tethered to bad quarterback play. It's all about bargaining with yourself. It's all about like, okay, you know what? Like in the off season, I thought that Carson Wentz could do this for Terry. Like you get him going more vertically than Taylor. Heineke. And then it's like, okay, well, no, no, no. Actually Taylor Heineke is better. Cause he just pummels the ball to him down the field. And it's like, and it's the same thing with Matt Ryan and like these boys in India, like, you know, when Sam Ellinger got in there, it's like, okay, well maybe he could hyper target Michael Pittman. You know, maybe he's going to get the offense going with some mobility. Okay. No, get get him the hell out of there. Just bring me back Matt Ryan and like competence. So that's what it's all about, man. It's all about just like same thing with the DJ Moore situation too. It's all about just bargaining with yourself and which type of bad is better for your guy. Even though in the end it is truly all bad. I'll tell you what's bad. Guys, that's a pro transition right there. The forecast in this Bills uh, Browns game. Uh, I'll the update we got this morning from Adam Schefter is that forecasts are calling for snow totals of three to six feet by Sunday in Buffalo, including a quote thunder snow. Never heard of that before in my life. Talk about a spoiled uh, L.A. guy out there. Last time snow forced the NFL to move a game out of Buffalo was in 2014 when the Jets and Bills played that Monday night in Detroit. The NFL is monitoring the storm, uh, talking to both the Bills and the Browns. So let's have a quick conversation here about weather tilt, uh, Dalton. What are we doing with this game? Uh, if it, again, Let's just say it remains on as scheduled and we get a crazy weather situation here. A real nice transition. Pinow even said it was a snow globe league. Um, where's Shady oh. McCoy? Everyone's calling for him to come out of retirement because he was so, so good in the snow games. Um, yeah, I, I, this, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach. Obviously, if the game changes venues, that would take away this. But normally, wind is the thing you pay most attention to if, to affect passing games. Uh, but this, this over-under has dropped to the low 40s last I checked. Uh, obviously, that would be the lowest of the year by a wide margin in a game that the Bills are involved in. So Devin Singletary he scored twice last week, but he could benefit and get a ton of carries against a team with the worst EPA per rush through 10 weeks uh, ever since the stat had been recorded. So wow. uh, he seems like a guy that would benefit <laughs> In, in a game full of snow. So that, that would be my uh, takeaway here. But obviously Nick Chubb and, and a, lot, a lot of rushing w- w- would be my projection here. But um, am I overrating that? Because other people have argued, yes, it's proje- showing all this snow, but the actual day of the game is not quite as much. So maybe people will overreact and this will be a DFS type matchup to attack. So I could see both here. It's a fluid situation to certainly pay attention to. You have to wait as long as you can before making your decisions. And Dalton's right to mention the wind. I've always used 20 miles an hour, I get nervous. 25 miles an hour and up, you have to act. The problem with weather is that you can watch like some of the preview shows where they actually, you know, they have a field reporter on the ground and everything. And it can look horrendous, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes before a game. And then the weather can change really quickly. 
But it's about wind, unless it's actually a blizzard or something like that. If it's just like light snow flurries, like, okay, sit back, enjoy. You know, sit sit in your nice, comfy living room. And what's better than football in the snow? I just watched uh, a couple of the directional Michigan teams play this week in the snow. It was gorgeous. I had no yeah, interest in the game, no too. bet on the game, but it was just so much fun. But but Dalton's spot on. It, it's about the wind. And is it so funny that the Bills, right, you know, uh, uh, life in a northern town, but they're they're kind of built like a dome team. Right. Yeah. They, they should be like the Colts. And I, I don't know what they're going to do with their new stadium if they, if they want the outdoor elements or if they want to go retractable roof or whatever. Um, I think obviously their fan base, I think they'd probably like to stay outside. It's part of who they are, but they're built more like a finesse team. Now, if this game is clean, if the whether it's moved or the weather forecast gets better, I want to mention Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's doing his Deontay Johnson imitation, you know, decent yardage, but no touchdowns. I don't know what a Deontay Johnson touchdown would look like. I don't know what a Donovan Peoples-Jones touchdown would look like. But last four weeks, 74, 71, 81, 99 yards. And as icky of a situation as the Sean Watson situation is, he is coming in a couple of weeks. He's going to be the starter week 13 against Houston. Boy, is that a delicious matchup and he's better than Jacoby Brissett he can practice with the team now so he's going to get reps in we've talked about what a ugly year it's been at receiver what an ugly time it's been at receiver with the bye weeks and there are four teams that don't play in week 14 you know Donovan Peoples-Jones has been in the medium and deeper leagues has been somebody I've been relying on I'm only asking for like eight to 12 points a week but I feel like he's providing that fairly regularly without any touchdowns yeah and um we talked about the Amari Cooper home road splits yesterday, Dalton. So we don't have to go back into that again, but they do like on the flip side, when Cooper goes completely quiet, people's Jones pops up and he's, I think sort of like a volatile guy, sort of like the poor, poor man's Gabe Davis, or like sort of like the Christian Watson blend of guy there. Um, will very much feast or famine Donovan people's Jones. But again, just assuming the game's clean, that's a good call, Scott, because the bills still have injuries in their secondary. Like that's been an issue. I think it definitely popped up even when they, obviously they had, Justin Jefferson guarded pretty well at certain points. Uh, he still made those catches because he's terrific. But we have seen their defense kind of take a step back from a pass defense standpoint. And and just one bef- one last point before we get off this game, I weirdly remember like remembered this because I just saw it recently, or I went back and like looked at this game for some reason. I honestly don't know what the hell I was doing, but I, I reminded myself that the uh, Bills had a snow game last year with the Falcons in week 17. Um, and Josh Allen in that game, 42.3 completion rate, 4.6 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, but, but 15 carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns, just under 21 points in fantasy. But the, I guess the question now is like with this elbow situation and the way that Josh Allen sort of been playing a little rocky lately, do the Bills really encourage him to run 15 times for 80 yards? I don't know. I mean, look, you're probably not benching Josh Allen regardless, no matter what the weather ends up looking like. But it is just something to remember. We have seen Josh Allen in snow somewhat recently, and it didn't go so well. Yeah, I think they've been reckless with how much they've run, Alan, especially in games they've had salted away. And you bring in a weather game. I raise your weather game. Remember the Patriots-Bills Monday nighter last year where Bill Belichick said, watch yeah. me win without throwing the ball at all. The Bills threw 30 passes in that game. Now, granted, they only right. went for 145 yards, but Buffalo, and I realize Brian Dable was running the offense now. It's Ken Dorsey, although you know Dorsey's part of the Dable tree. There hasn't really been much of a change in the shape of the offense that I can tell. I think Buffalo may have the confidence or maybe even hubris to say, I, we don't care about the weather. We're just going to let Josh Allen do Josh Allen things. 
I can tell you one thing. He's, he didn't grow up in, 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 in any snowy weather in Fireball, California. That's my one bit of inside information I can tell you. But yeah, he's a beast, man. He, yeah, he's productive no matter what. And it's a great point that even with a 40% completion percentage, if you're running for 80 yards and a touchdown, you're just getting, you're paying the bills in fantasy regardless. Yeah, but the, Scott's right in the flip side of that that game. Uh, he had the 30 attempts. He did nothing on the ground. He got under 12 points in that game. Uh, so it, we'll see. We'll see what we get you in this right. game. It should be interesting. Uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We'll talk about a couple other AFC East teams. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back. We got Jets at Patriots. Patriots are three and a half point favorites in this one. Scott, man, Garrett Wilson has emerged clearly in your circle of trust, I imagine, based on what he has done lately. Yeah, the, the Fantasy Index asked uh, this week which of the first year receivers you think has the most promising career ahead of him. And I said Garrett Wilson, which it's a tough question. Yeah, it could pick, be Olave. Yeah. We haven't seen Jameson Williams yet. Although it's, it's interesting. It, it was because that Garrett Wilson was so good at OSU that that Jameson transferred to Alabama. He wasn't sure how he was going to get on the field. Ohio State's receiver is ridiculous. ridiculous. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a fun player when he ends up turning. He couldn't even play last year and, you know, good in the field. And then he's been terrific this year living in the end zone. But Wilson got a buck 15 against the Patriots last meeting. And also Tyler Conklin. The Patriots have a very sneaky problem with tight ends around the goal line. A bunch of them have scored. It's one thing when Mark Andrews gets you a couple times. But Tyler Conklin had six for 79 and two in the first meeting. And with Wilson, I would think the priority for New England. I actually think Conklin is, again, a lot of people just lost Goddard. A lot of people just lost Ertz, you know, or maybe the bye weeks have you down at tight end. I moved Conklin up into a startable range, and I may even think of him as a DFS punt option this week. Mm, I like that call. Um, yeah, man. Look, we know the Jets' offense has got dudes. I mean, Garrett Wilson is a dude. Uh, we'll see if Elijah Moore moving into the slot, like, brings him back into the fold at all like and again is he going to be a full-time slot guy or is he going to be splitting with Braxton Berrios we'll get an answer there on that one um but I gotta ask you you're the receiver guy who who is of all the rookie receivers who's the most promising dynasty owned right now oh my god uh this this is a tough one um do you have an answer I, I Lord I, podcast. I'll take anybody I look I've just for, for my two cents of it I think I'd still rank it um I still like I think Drake London could be the most promising guy long term. Like I, I think he could be the most promising guy long term. But I think I think that right now you got you gotta go with Garrett Wilson, but I'm really, really tempted to say Chris Olave because I think he's right up there too. But I, I think I'm with you that Garrett Wilson, like from just a from just a skill set standpoint, is is good, but uh, Olave is right there too. I mean, it's it's not like Wilson or Olave are ever gonna grow to be six five like Drake London is. You yeah. Know? And, and of course we'll see what Williams does. I don't know if he'll play it all this year, but a lot of people thought he was the obvious number one if he didn't have the unfortunate injury in the in the playoffs last year. But it's a fun class. And I, what I hope doesn't happen. You had a great take. And I I'm saying this 
uh, with admiration. This is not a knock. I'm not trolling you. You said before this year that we should go out and get all the second year receivers. And man, oh. have they run? Have they run just so unlucky with injuries <laughs> so and, and the the more situation in New York? And these these are talented players. I, I wish the Jets would just trade Elijah Moore if they're not going to use him because he's really you know he'd get the Tony treatment right. If you don't if you don't like him, fine. So let somebody else like him. But um, it's just weird, though, that to answer this question of the first-year receivers, you know, who's got the nicest setup? Well, Drake London, you get to deal with Arthur Smith and Mariota, and we'll see if Ritter can play. And Garrett Wilson, you know, who knows if Zach Wilson will ever turn into anything. And, you know, with Olave, I'm actually hoping that Jameis Winston plays. You know, that, that's what he's hoping for. Why can't one of these guys land in a good situation? And I get it. If you're good, you get drafted by a team that probably doesn't have a quarterback. But wouldn't it just be nice if, like, Patrick Mahomes was thrown to Garrett Wilson or yeah. you know, Josh Allen was thrown to Chris Olave? Wouldn't, wouldn't life be grand? We we talked about the Falcons the Danny already. So I, won't, I won't go back. I won't go. Well, yeah, okay. Danny Gray disrespect. <laughs> the Danny Gray disrespect on this podcast is just disgusting. I mean, it is just. Uh, I had to sit here and listen to you guys reel off first. Yeah, go ahead. When's go ahead. when's the last time Kyle Shanahan respected a rookie wide receiver? So if he doesn't respect them, we don't respect them. All right. Uh, what did what did they, uh, what did Brandon Ayuk say when they drafted Danny Gray? He's like, it's great now. Like he's got somebody else for Kyle to bother. Like that. I'm, <laughs> let's check in with Danny Gray. See remember, how his remember when Brandon Ayuk was drafted before Debo Samuel last year? Like Ayuk was the was the destination. Yeah, we were just again, a year behind there. Woods ahead of Cubs, just a year so. behind. You're just yeah. a year. You're ahead. Yeah. Sorry, we were a year ahead on that. We were a year ahead on the Ayuk thing. That's now, right. I mean, Absolutely, I mean, pretty much. Hundred percent would rather Ayuk moving forward. Yeah, no question. Same, but to, just the last point on the rookie thing. I still think Arthur Smith's offense is really good. I like the way he designs a passing offense. And I actually think that Scott, you could argue that the Falcons have the cleanest path to upgrading their quarterback position next year. Because um, I think the Jets will ride with with Zach Wilson again. The Saints don't have a damn first round. Well, they don't have their own first round pick. Like, do they have any picks at all at this point? And um, the Falcons will have a first round pick and will likely be drafting a rookie quarterback. So um, I don't know. I, I still think like London could. He's not in this conversation right now just because of recency bias. But like, he's a really good player in a really good situation. Um, D- Dalton, we didn't talk about the Patriots. Uh, uh, we d- <laughs> you asked is the off it was the offense fixed during the bye? Well, it can't get much worse than what Mac Jones uh, put out recently as we talked uh, about yesterday. Yeah, he's declaring they did a full audit during the bye week. Um, as we mentioned, he's last in EPA per dropback, below last Baker. In EPA per drop uh, pass past the uh, throws past the sticks. It's really bad downfield. Um, so yeah, now he gets a really tough uh Jets defense. So, um, yeah, did they the weird play action differences with Zappy quarterbacking in him? I'm just curious. You know, the play calling has been an issue throughout preseason. So, curious what the Pats did to their offense uh, during the the bye week. And by the way, this Patriots team is scheduled after this week for four straight primetime games. I mean, some some may be flexed, but they're scheduled for four straight primetime. Nobody wants this that. One. I'm a Patriots Bro. fan. I don't want that. They better they better have fixed that thing <laughs> in, the, in the in the bye week, but I tend to doubt it. Um, Jacoby Myers, Ramondre Stevenson, and that's it. That's all that matters of the uh, in the Patriots offense. All right, let's and move to the next that, game. Not here. in that order. No, no. Well, yeah, of course, definitely not in that order. Um, let's move to the next game here and look at you two guys. Commanders at Texans. Commanders are three and a half point favorites. Both of you 
Nico Collins uh, on the outline here. I mean, I, I am a longtime Nico Collins bro, so it's really good to see that you... So who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about Nico Collins first here? Because in like a week where we need all these wide receivers, man, I, I love to see you both this excited about Nico Collins here. Well, this is good. We can save some time. I, I wrote up Nico Collins in my sleeper piece that went up on Thursday, so you can go read that, and I'll just give the floor to Dalton. You know, we, we've been pretty... I, I blame myself for this. We're, we're probably running over scheduled oh. time, so we can save some time here. Uh, I like Nico Collins, and I'll, I'll agree with everything Dalton says. Two things to point out here. So he's limited with the groin injury in practice. I hope they're just keeping him ready to go, so pay attention to that. And Brandon Cooks missed practice Wednesday, but he returned Thursday. So it'd be even better if Cooks missed. But Cooks has been getting faded out of the whole system. He hasn't had more than seven targets since week two. Collins saw 10 targets during his return last week. Washington has allowed uh, the second most passing scores, but also the highest target percentage to wide receivers, number one this this year. So uh, my guy, Davis Mills, obviously not a future of the team, but plays way, way better at home. Just way dramatic. The biggest splits in the, in the entire league is Davis Mills' home road. He's at home. So I really like the setup for Collins to be a potential top 20 fantasy wideout this week. And Washington is a final defense. It's much easier to throw on them. Yeah, number two against the run in DVOA. Uh, yeah, very a hundred percent. Yeah. So we're all in agreement on Nico Collins, which means he'll catch two passes for uh, 25 yards, <laughs> no which doubt. is, you know, it'll be a real bummer. And yeah. by the way, if you disagree with Nico Collins, don't don't risk anything. Don't don't come at us now. Wait till the game is over. Wait till the game is tell over. Us how, yeah. how idiotic we were to say anything about Nico Collins. <laughs> good. That's good call. Good call, Scott. That would be great. Yeah. If you disagree, let us know once the results are in that we are. Just final gun. Make sure he doesn't catch like a garbage time touchdown or something that bails us out. Make sure the game is over. I don't want you to take any unnecessary chances here. Follow the troll (laughs) handbook. Excellent stuff. Um, On the commander side of it, Taylor Heineke is is going to stay in our lives for another week. Ron Rivera is already like, oh, is he going to play when is Carson Wentz going to play when he's healthy? I don't know. Um, Yeah, I I hope we see more and more of Taylor Heineke just for the Terry McLaurin stuff. That's all that I care about. And both running backs, if you got these running backs on your team, like you can consider starting them in this matchup because Dalton's pointed this out for the last few weeks, like the Texans brutal, brutal, brutal run defense. And, And these two guys are kind of Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson are just kind of cleanly fitting into grinder back on early downs, change of pace guy on later downs. And I think either one of them or both of them could go off in this matchup. It's a key to fantasy football, reducing a backfield from three to two. It really, really I also like the Texans. If you can get them three and a half to Washington traveling in a short week, coming off that huge dramatic upset. I really like emotional win. Yeah. The emotional handicapper in me wants, wants Houston for sure. And I would think that if that line's going to move off the three, it probably moves up to three and a half. That's a great call. Hey, how dare you guys bet against Taylor Heineke and his uh, bucket of bush light on the flight mm-hmm. home? How dare you guys? No, no doubt. No doubt. I hear you have a deal with Heineken. I mean, his name sounds like Heineken. <laughs> maybe he doesn't like it. I don't. I'm not. Hey, sorry if we lose a sponsorship. I don't. I don't like Heineken yeah. at all. Maybe he and he's a no, bush light. It, bush light guy. You know, if your name was Heineken, yeah, <laughs> perhaps. There's a beer called PNL. I'd probably drink it. Other you know the thing. I don't, I, bet, like, I, I don't I, like Billy Joel. I don't like Billy Joel. So, so there you go. I bet I. You know, maybe I'm I'm reading minds here. Um, Taylor, I bet you Taylor Heineke has heard the Heineken thing so much in his life yeah. that he's like, I, I hate that. Like that yeah, beer. Yeah, get, get that beer. Out anything of here. but that. Right. It's yeah, like when somebody. Yeah, I'm like 31 years old. Somebody like comes in like, oh, Matt Har- Harmony, Har- Harmon, Harmony. I'm like, you think I haven't heard this like 500 times right, in my right. life? Like the yeah, Harmony I- House. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, yeah, there you go. It's like, come on. So maybe that's it. And then again, just guys, guy loves Bush Light with the camo print on it. You love to see it. All right. Next game up here. Oh, <laughs> I mean, no wonder we're trying to uh, kill some time here because. <sighs> 
the Panthers offense. Panthers at Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens are 13-point favorites. Uh, Scott, you talked about DJ Moore, and you know you're, you're not going to blame him. But I, And I guess we, do, we know what the deal is with Baker and DJ Moore. But Dante Foreman, are we still excited about him with Baker Mayfield coming back in the mix here? Uh, now, granted, the whole team played lousy against Cincinnati. But I think Dante Foreman, I think he's unsinkable. And I know Baker Mayfield takes that as a challenge. You, you think Dante Foreman's unsinkable? Watch me sink him. <laughs> but I don't want any Foreman questions in the start set, okay? If, you, if your lineup is so loaded that you even consider benching Foreman, you don't need our help. You don't need to watch fantasy football live. You should be building a trophy case and, and thinking about how you're going to spend your winnings, okay? Yeah, life is good for you. I don't have any Dante Foreman. Uh, but he's the Achilles injury is so far in his past. Unfortunately, where I roster DJ Moore, I don't have choices. I have to play him. And I feel very con- – I think I'm actually going to bet the under prop on more, whatever it is, just to hedge my emotional bet. But I'm, I'm just ready for the three for 19. I might not even get the three. It might be like yeah. two for 12 because I don't trust Baker Mayfield at all. I mean, that's not a hot take. I think we're all kind of in agreement on that. I did want to see some upside. I'm at the point now where I'm hoping that maybe Sam Darnold plays later in the year. I mean, how sad is that? is very sad uh dalton save us talk about i mean there's actually not that much excitement on the Ravens side at this point mark andrews missed some practice this week we talked about the outside receiver play for this team dalton yesterday um but the backfield has been a source of fantasy value when it's been clear i'll just add that our guy marvin tweeted only two running backs accounted for over half of their team's opportunity share last week it was barkley and donta foreman and that was with hubbard back so he had half of the team's rush attempts and targets. So the volume's been there, although this week may not be great game script. Baltimore, the biggest favorite of the week. I'd love Kenyon Drake, actually. I love the Drake, hate the Drake. If Gus Edwards weren't returning before the bye, Drake had a pretty good game. And Carolina, this is a team that's allowed the fifth most fantasy points to backs, the blow-up game to mix in. But if Edwards is there, it's a split backfield and no receivers. Uh, yeah, it's not a great situation for a team that's nearly two touchdown home favorites. No. It is not a good situation. Uh, Here's not a good game up for our next one. Rams at Saints. (laughs) Who are are we excited about to play in this game? I mean, the Rams are in the no-fly zone, I think, without Cooper Cup. Um, It will be interesting to see who plays the slot. Like last week when Cooper Cup went down, Allen Robinson did take some slot snaps. I think that's actually somewhat interesting for Robinson, not from a fantasy angle. Ben Skoranek also, though, uh, played some slot there. But guys... Two rough offensive lines here, um, you know, really just like we care about Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara, and that's pretty much it, guys, right? Yeah, Kamara's played far better at home this year for what it's worth, uh, but their offensive line is both these teams just dramatic. I won't bore you with the names, but let's say the Rams had already allowed Stafford to be pressured as in the same number of times as last year in 10 fewer games, and they've suffered two injuries since then. I mean, it is, it's gone from bad to worse. Um, you can't get excited about either of these teams. It's such a so such a low over under, and I understand why. But yeah, you're using Alave, you're using Camara, and maybe no one else. Tomorrow's headlines today. Okay, maybe the Rams will do it to Andy Dalton. If not, the 49ers are going to do it next week. The Saints admitted they were close to taking away the starting gig from from Dalton, going back to James Winston. And look, James is seven years younger. Okay, he's still just 28. Dalton's 35. They might as well see the Saints aren't going anywhere. They might as well see if Jameis Winston has any chance of being their starter next year, which means probably good things for Olave, probably a downtick 
in Alvin Kamara's passing role. I think in leagues where you need multiple starters or quarterback, I would love to have Winston stashed. And I, I've never really been a Winston guy. I've, I've realized that one year in Tampa Bay was fun. The 30 t- 36 touchdowns, the 30 picks. He threw the pick six at the end of the last game to get to the 30 picks, the Jameis 30 for 30 season. And then he went to the Saints and they tried to take all that Jameis out of him. You know what? I want more fun in my life. Get Andy Dalton. You're, you're a nice backup. You've had a nice career. You went to the playoffs. Bengals a million times. You lost every time in that Shakey's Pizza game on Saturday afternoon, you and Marvin Lewis. But, you know, go go be a backup. Hold hold the clipboard and, you know, have a nice – you make a nice few million every year. We, we don't need any more of you. I think he's getting benched this week or next week. And so I want you to be prepared for that. Trade Kamara if you can. Alavi's going to get an uptick. And again, in those super flex leagues, I think Winston has value. And just a, a shout out to Jawan Johnson, who has touchdowns the last two weeks at tight end and four in the last four games, which has you hugging strangers at the tight end position. Again, I keep saying it. You, you might have lost Ertz. You might have lost Goddard. Uh, Jawan Johnson could probably be had on waivers in a lot of leagues. And he's at least got some touchdown equity, which at, when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, a tight end touchdown equity is really your best friend. Yeah. Oof. Um that could not great when Juwan Johnson's like maybe the third best play in that entire game. All right, next one up. Talk about a bad vibes bowl. Raiders at Broncos. Dalton, I love your 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 thing here. Which locker room is worse off? Um, Russ getting called out by Denver media for using the wrong audibles, then comes to the comes to his press conference with the with the clip like with his wristband on. Unbelievable. Give me a break, Russ. Derek Carr talking about how guys don't. You know, he wishes everybody else loved this team as much as he did. Sort of is basically like, who are you? Who's he calling out there? I would love to know. Like, who who does who's the finger there? Where's the finger getting pointed there? Dalton, which locker room is worse off? Great question. Says the Raiders are cash strapped, so they cannot fire McDaniel's, who's apparently uh, watching over their social media, all their players, and has just already lost that locker room. Carr is, is apparently as good as gone. Um, and then Russell Wilson, you can't make this up, really. I mean, and do you, if you watch the video of the media person saying it, he's like, I've been, I've been reluctant to say this, but I've been told by so many people, I'm pretty confident that this is this is true. And yeah, the guy's calling audibles that the Seahawks ran, and players are running back into the huddle uh, saying, bro, what players are you? And he's getting confused. He's lost his mind, apparently. And that's just just crazy the first year of that massive contract. But uh, for fantasy terms, Sutton should benefit if Judy sits out this game. But a fun fact, the Raiders are the only team in the NFL yet to allow a 100-yard receiver this year. So uh, and, and can Russell Wilson, you know, effectively uh, provide any fantasy value for his pass catchers? Wow. I did not see it coming this way offensively for the Broncos, who would be um, you know, only one loss this year. If their team could manage just 18 points in regulation, it's been a disaster. But you guys have an answer because this is—I thought it was a battle of, uh, of disruptive locker rooms last week. But the Colts were fine with Jeff Saturday and beat this Raiders team. So Raiders versus Russell Wilson's quite a—you know—an uh, S show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott, you, you mentioned the total on this game looks high. <laughs> yeah, it's really simple. We can make up some time here. 41 and a half is your total. Bury the under. Next game. Yeah, I think we're I think we're right on uh, in agreement there. Next one up here, Bengals at Steelers. Kind of feel bad for bearing the Bengals this deep into the show. Um, but Scott, the Steelers deserve it. Although you think there might be a guy who could pop a little bit in the least popping uh, NFL passing offense. Yeah, I, I'm sorry I'm throwing so many tight end comments here, but you know, hey, Pat people Fryer need it. Set, we, we, they do, they do need it. Did you hear that Ertz and Goddard have gotten hurt? I don't know if, if people are aware of that, but I, I must make sure you know that. 
It's important to know that what Pat Fryermuth does and the parts of the field that he threatens also overlaps with Chase Claypool, no longer of the employ of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And even though Fryermuth didn't do a lot with seven targets last week, seven targets is a good number. I mean, he's got 23 targets his last three games. The Saints do mark tight ends well. So the four for 36-0 line, I, I can excuse that. But I, I, look, this... The Steelers have, what, six touchdown passes? One of them was by Claypool, by the way. Pickett only has two. So I get <laughs> oh it. You're not in a hurry to get invested here. But Frymouth's going to get, I think, the seven to nine target range is going to stick for him. And I think he'll get some of those vacated Claypool opportunities. I, more than anything, I want you to draft him next year. Maybe he won't be somebody you play in the fantasy playoffs, or maybe you have a better player. Maybe you latched on to Komet, or you, know, you have Andrews or Kelsey, whatever. That, that's fine. I still think Pat Frymuth can play. And you know, tight end is a position that needs development. We don't expect tight ends to be great right away. He's, he's going into his third season next year. So this is an earmark to draft Frymuth next year. But I'm actually, I can see, I can glimpse and see a little bit of upside for him the rest of the season as well. Hey, Scott, I feel like not doing a lot with those targets. That should be like the Matt Canada playbook. Like, that's the definition of the of that offense. Like, oh, yeah, these guys get a lot of targets. Nobody does anything with it because it's a high school offense. So uh, I think you I think you called it right. You're there blaming you're Friday. blaming Canada. You know, also Steelers are unanimous in those Rotowire staff picks I mentioned. Isn't it just funny you put T.J. Watt back on that defense and Tomlin will have them ready to play. The fans will show up. I know the team's going nowhere, but uh, they picked off the Bengals in week one. That was kind of the bizarro Vikings Bills game of week one where the game had a million different turns and, and both teams gave the game away several times but uh, I think Tomlin can pull off the magic again obviously the Bengals aren't the same team without Jamar Chase Mixon had that blow up spot two weeks ago but I think the Steelers as little as they have on offense I think Tomlin will have them ready I think they can win kind of an ugly I don't know 1916 type of game that was the game where the holder got hurt and McPherson missed an extra point and went into overtime. It was an incredibly frustrating game. But uh, yeah, I may, may have lost a Survivor entry on that one. But um, yeah, and Higgins left concussed too, that, that game. Survivor yeah. is just, is just exists for us to be to feel bad about ourselves, right? The thing about Survivor no is <laughs> when you get eliminated, it's because you picked the wrong nine-point favorite and you'll just feel lousy about it, you know? Or somebody, people miss extra points or some, a quarterback got hurt in the first quarter. It's just, you know, it's just destined to kick you in the groin. Yeah, you got to love the the holder getting hurt, affecting extra points and 20-yard field goals. I feel like McPherson's <laughs> mojo has been thrown one. off, too. I I was hoping McPherson could be like, you, you know, the the Robin to Justin Tucker's Batman. No, Justin Tucker does not work with associates. Justin Tucker is a, is a solo entity. And I'm sorry for even insinuating that somebody, you know, for a second, I'm like, oh, Harrison Butker can be Robin to, to Batman. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it's Batman alone. Batman forever. 100% a solo artist. That's a good way of saying it. Dalton, I know you, you have on the outline T. Higgins eruption week. We talked about this yesterday. Um, I think this is the spot where he can really get going. Yeah, just briefly. Burrow struggles against too high and Watt is back. But I think that's going to result in either Higgins or Boyd finishing as a top three fantasy wideout this week. If not, both top 10 then. I think big games from those two receivers in the one more game. He might only get one more game without Chase. Um, but this is a matchup where Mixon scored five touchdowns last time we saw him. And Pittsburgh's just... Their secondary is allowed the second most fantasy points to receivers, and I think it's it's a Higgins or Tyler Boyd week to really to really erupt. All right, Sunday night football: Chiefs at Chargers. We've seen this matchup before earlier in a primetime uh, slot, but Scott, quite a few differences uh, in these teams, mostly due to injuries on the Chargers side. But we might be seeing a changing of the guard in a couple of areas here. Uh, for but starting with the backfield here for Kansas City. 
Yeah, it's, I know it's Isaiah Pacheco week, and, and last week CEH hardly played. Again, that theme of if you can reduce a backfield from three to two, then you're really cooking, especially when it's the Kansas City Chiefs offense. But remember, Pacheco has 13 receiving yards on the season. I don't want you to lose sight of Jarek McKinnon, who's caught 12 passes the last two weeks. I think there's room for both of these guys. Now, look, I, I don't know. Maybe Andy Reid, maybe there's a reason why they didn't play CEH last week, and, and maybe he'll be back in the mix this week. It will be three-headed again, and then we'll all go on Twitter and complain about it. You would think Pacheco's in great shape because the Chargers' run defense is just god-awful, almost six yards of carry given up. So, you know, Pacheco, maybe he's looking at like 17, 109 and a touchdown or something like that. But I think McKinnon's playable too because he's going to get somewhere between five and eight targets. And I, I think they have soured on CEH. And there's so many receiver injuries, right? I, we don't know who's suiting up right now for the for the Chiefs at receiving. And McKinnon's a little bit dinged up. Who isn't dinged up at this point of the season? I mean, Dalton's playing hurt for crying out loud. I love him for that. But so you have to check. You have to audit this Chiefs injury report really closely. And it's kind of frustrating. This is a late game. Uh, well, obviously the Chargers, you know, the two best receivers are, are not uh, clear if they're going to go yet either. But I'm all for Pacheco week. I just don't think Pacheco has the staying power that maybe some people do. And I think Jarek McKinnon is maybe the underserved, underappreciated fantasy asset in this backfield. Well, Dalton and the, the receiver room for both teams is is questionable. We don't know who's going to play, as Scott mentions. Although McKinnon, like, I, if this game turns into a back-and-forth affair, I think that would make a lot of sense, like McKinnon getting more involved there. But, um, Dalton, what are you expecting? I mean, there's a lot of scenarios that could play out based on health, but what are you expecting with these two receiver rooms? Uh, quickly, I just read that Pacheco was removed off special teams this week, which may or may not mean something. Maybe they are planning a bigger workload for him. But yeah, Juju, highly questionable, MVS, illness, Hardman sitting out practice. So I'm ranking Kadarius Tony as a top 20 fantasy wideout this week, given all those injuries. But maybe there'll be more clarity there. But on the flip side, L.A. has a you know, we need to know their receivers. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Are they returning? Gerald Everett's also questionable, obviously. And even DeAndre Carter is questionable. So a bunch of injuries on both these teams, wide receivers specifically, that you need to pay attention to. And it's frustrating because it's a Sunday night start time, too. So hopefully we'll have clarity, but maybe not in a matchup with the highest total of the week. By the way, Patrick Mahomes is currently around plus 125 to win MVP. I think the only way he doesn't win is if he gets hurt. I, I think that's actually worth taking. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, unless one of these other guys goes on like a tear, but I think it's Mahomes' award to lose at this point, uh, and and he should moonwalk to get it. All right, last game up here, another division uh, rival, Dalton. Your 49ers in Mexico. Uh, they're playing the Arizona Cardinals here. Dalton, the floor is yours. 49ers. What, what's what are we thinking? Uh, the, the fan forecast is projecting 82% Niner fans for this quote unquote road game. The, the Niners fan go forecast. What is the, what is the, fan uh, whatever forecast? it is they use, they, they use, they used, um, I, I don't know if we were a sponsor, but people who sell tickets, they, they can tell by the amount. Uh, I, I forget if it's StubHub or which one they, they use. Whatever, are you going? Cause you're a famous, you're sold. a famous, fa you know, San Francisco fan. You go to NBA finals games and stuff. I assume you're going to be on the 50 yard line in Mexico. Not in, not here, but I am, I am going to Mexico soon for a wedding and I did just see the Niners, but I will not be there for this game, but the Niners, <laughs> actually do not you're like the jack nicholson of san francisco sports right you know i mean people people go watch a game when they're watching like the warriors game they're not they're not watching clay thompson they're not watching steph curry they're not watching to see who draymond green is going to punch next they want to see dalton del don courtside I've been compared to Jack many, many times uh, before. But <laughs> for, where for were many we? reasons, uh, right. Yeah. The, 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 you had a little bit more sway with the ladies than Jack did, though. 49ers do, do not play a true road game from October to December 15th. 
up because this is a, a, a neutral one. And then they buy in all home games. And then and even then they're only travel to Seattle and Vegas. So a uh, real nice, uh, favorable traveling schedule for my 49ers. Uh, the other thing I, I noted on the the um, the outline here is Trent Williams uh, for all the, the Niner geeks are going crazy because he's been tipping the plays and he's been doing it for a while now. And you can tell if it's a run or a pass based on how he lines up. And there's an argument. Well, you can only tell if you're looking at all 22. But honestly, the numbers are, are have not been great. And he's like the best left tackle. But if you compare the numbers, uh, the sample before and after with him, it might appear the defense knows what's coming. And I don't know how to fix this, but Trent Williams is is tipping plays and opponents know when a pass and, and, and a run is coming based on his stance. Interesting. Uh, first, I've heard about that. I, I can't imagine like what Niners forums, Reddit uh, subreddits and uh, you know different Twitter communities you're part of, Dalton, to be uh, finding out about the Trent tipping plays thing. But I got to I got to dig into that. I got to dig into that. Yeah, it's just Twitter for me. But but Twitter. Yeah, well, it's a good thing. The sure. Niners don't play the the uh, Phillies this year. They're probably a lot like seven home runs. <laughs> I mean, not that threatening to go up against the Arizona Cardinals here in this spot, uh, Scott. We don't do. Do we know for sure who's going to be playing quarterback? I don't think so. Um, but do, they, do you think they just looked like a little bit more organized last week, like a real offense with the with Colt McCoy back there? Uh, it's just you know, you you wouldn't know it when I'm on the show, but we are, we have a script for these programs, and there's like some sort of structure. And I kind of I'm ah, kind of a sure. Kyler Murray with these podcasts, where I go all over the place. But maybe sometimes you need the Colt McCoy who runs the play as called. Colt McCoy is he's a backup and he's you know, on the last couple of years of his career and everything. And he's not a long term solution. And, and these guys run out of steam quickly. But I thought it was interesting that the offense did not look any worse for wear with him last week because it's just nice to have a guy who's dependable, a guy who's OK, this is what we're running. And I'm, I'm going to step back and I'm going to look at read one, read two and get rid of the ball. And there's going to be none of this freelance stuff. And. And I don't blame Murray completely. I mean, him and Kingsbury just seems like a really poor match. And unfortunately, they're tied to both of these guys. But um, the bottom line is this. It, it, you're going to play Hopkins anyway. I have no problem playing Rondell Moore, no matter who the quarterback is. That is not a factor for me. And also, James Conner, man, is he living right? Okay, they get rid of Eno Benjamin, who may be a better player than him anyway. And last week, the James Conner is of, of lines, right? He averages less than four yards a carry, but he gets 21 carries. He punches in a couple of short touchdowns. Now he doesn't have to worry about Murray poaching those touchdowns. I don't think James Conner is a plus running back. I think he might be a little bit below average, but man, is it really falling right? He could be a fantasy difference maker the rest of the way just because of the way the Benjamin and Murray things have fallen. Just quickly, I want to add, Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray did practice, but they're legitimately questionable to play this Monday night game. And it is not out of the realm of possibility that Trace McSorley is starting here. <laughs> and ooh, I have a defensive player of the year ticket on my guy, Nick Bosa, who leads the NFL in quarterback knockdowns despite missing a game and a half. So yeah, I mean, it's something that it's not a slam dunk, the the the, the quarterback starting position for Arizona Monday night. I just I'm surprised that. you took the Cardinals with the points and staff picks. Which I did as well, by the way. I'm just such a dog, underdog Sh guy. Dude, Shanahan is not good with big leads. No, no. He he will let the team backdoor cover even if they dominate yardage by 250 yards. That, that's we, my theory we, with them. I love the Niners as underdogs, and I, and I do yeah, not like him as favorite. funny, kind of like the Mike Tomlin thing. Would we need a congressional bill for Jimmy Garoppolo to have like a 19-point game? He's got all these toys, and every, every week I'm like, oh, here's Garoppolo. He's going to put up 22 points, and it never happens. You see that footage I sent you, Harmon, of, of Debo, just a wide-open 50-yard right, touchdown? Just before, we started the, uh, just before we started the podcast, I saw that email as well. Um, oh, Jimmy. Yes, he leaves a few plays on the field and, and, every and game. And speaking of footage, right, I, when, when the 
Golden State Warrior cheerleaders couldn't find you, Courtside Dalton. They had, <laughs> that to, was settle. All, yeah, they had yeah, to settle for Jimmy G. Uh, yeah. Dude, Christian McCaffrey's getting ignored. How often do you think that dude's been ignored like that? I mean, he's got to be going, what in the world's happening? Yeah, yeah. He's got the, Jimmy G's got the quarterback face. You can't deny that. Man, what a weird career he's had. I mean, he he was the it guy for a while. And then they couldn't wait to get rid of him. And then Lance gets hurt. You know, this moment the season starts. And now if if the Niners have a healthy defense, man, this is a team. I know the Eagles are probably going to be the number one seed and the favorite, but I would not want to play a healthy Niners team. I don't care what the status of the offense is. That defense is ferocious when they get everybody back. And I'm I'm a big believer in, in Ryan's as, as the coordinator. I mean, you, you have a good team, man. You, your they team also can go played- deep. They all think, yeah, they also play better on the road, too, which which is helpful in the playoffs. They're actually literally better on the road. Because so, if it's yeah, a bad I, I fan love, base, their fan base turns yeah, on them in partially. the first quarter. Is that what it is? Dude, my friend, our driver on the Sunday night game got food poisoning, and I had to drive home. I, it was brutal at the well, It's a hard stadium yeah. to get to, too. Isn't it one of those things where if you don't leave a ridiculous yeah. amount of time before yeah. the game that you yeah. run the risk not of, ideal. of being late? Yeah, it's not ideal. But yeah, this podcast is off the rails. Good time, guys. It. Go That's Niners. It. Go. <laughs> Once we compared Dalton to Jack Nicholson, I, I knew we had hit a new peak. I was going to say that uh, on the Jimmy G thing, you know, the next part of the Jimmy G saga is he's going to go into free agency and go start for Tampa Bay after Tom Brady leaves the Bucks and goes to start for I San Francisco. It. So that's he what's going to happen. Oh, my God. That. I love that. That's so perfect. That has to happen. Yeah. There really are rumors about Brady coming here next year, 100%. They're all, yeah, they're, that, those have been going around Are we for confident a while. Brady plays another season, do you think? I mean, oh, oh, he needs yeah. to make some money now. This yeah, he's got, yeah, yeah, he's, he's back make, for sure. He's got to oh, make yeah. his money. Yeah. He's the already divorced. He's got yeah. ex-wife yeah. to pay, yeah. lawsuit to pay. You know, yeah. he's, maybe maybe he sees Mahomes coming well, he, for his records. He needs to throw up another 4,000 yards, you know, just to keep things out of reach. He may be getting palimony though. Actually, yeah, I was gonna say I I don't know that I don't know that he's gonna worry about paying (laughs) his ex-wife, but uh, he certainly's got to worry about paying his own bills. Um, And also, yeah, what's he what's he got to quit for at this point? But yeah, I think also I want to say this about Brady. He hasn't been that. I know. Look, talking about a bye week team, he hasn't been that bad. I mean, you know, Stafford's had a horrible season. Wilson's had a horrible season. I think Rodgers, for the most part, has played poorly. Of all these quarterbacks in this disappointing veteran bucket, I think Brady at least is at the top of that list as far as he's been okay. And they run for one yard on every first down. I mean, right. that guy's been really presented in a lot of poor situations. The coaching's been terrible for him. Maybe it's, maybe Leftwich has been part of the problem. Maybe I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Brady shouldn't have run Arians off the ship. All right, I ha- all right. I have to end the podcast. We were about to do like a ten minute Bucks breakdown. Save it for next week. Save it for the next week's preview podcast because uh, we will have to talk about them then. And I love what's going on here. All right, that's going to do it for us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. He's going to have a full thread of these Bucks thoughts uh, ready to go on his Twitter page as soon as we log off here. Dalton, you can follow at Dalton Del Don. Will not have a thread ready to go. So uh, yeah, there's that. You can follow me. If you want to, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And if you don't feel like following all three of us, just follow at Yahoo Fantasy and they'll retweet our good tweets into your timeline when and if we have them. Scott will be back on Monday morning to recap that thread he's going to put out and the Week 11 slate of games. Until then, we're out.